The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the week one edition of the Frodo World Football Podcast. Finally, we made it. It is here. Once again, I've been mentioning it for the last few weeks, but now we're moving to three episodes per week. On the Tuesday edition, it'll be myself and Raymond Summerlin talking news and waivers. On Thursday, it'll be Ray, Nick Minzio, and Rich Rebar. And on Fridays, it'll be myself, Evan Silva, and Roto Pat. Again, we are hoping to feature all the great content that you love, the written content on Roto World, and also use it in podcast form. Hopefully you enjoy. If you do, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Audio Boom, and even leave us a review. It helps us reach new audience members, new listeners, new viewers. Again, would really, really appreciate it. Um, some other housekeeping notes. Myself, Kay Adams, Sebastian Salazar have a new television show. It'll air on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, sometimes or, sometimes and, on all the CSN regional networks. So that's CSN Bay Area, CSN Chicago, CSN Philadelphia, CSN Mid-Atlantic, CSN New England, so on and so forth. Um, we also have a Facebook Live that we'll be taping uh, during the show. So that'll be 2.30 or 2.45 on Thursdays. You can tune in right there. Ask your questions. They might be featured on the show. Start, sit. Um, who should I play? Who should I pick up? Yada, yada. We'd hoped and love to hear from all of you. Um, so, again, that show, Real Fantasy, DVR it. Watch it. It'll be broadcast on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And I'll get you the times when they are official. And then another show, kind of, streaming show. Myself and Raymond Summerlin on NBCSports.com on Thursdays. It will air. I don't have the times yet. I'll get them to you. Um, but it'll also kind of be a, a preview show for the Thursday Night Football live stream. So it'll be there for that first one, but also later on the season when NBC has those rights. So um, we're excited. There's a lot for you to go through. Again, three podcasts a week. Subscribe, iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Real Fantasy on the CSN regional networks, and the streaming show on NBCSports.com with myself and Raymond Summerlin. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Ray about all the players that you are considering picking up during week one or before week one of the fantasy football season, along, you know, with that small trade and discussion with Sam Bradford to the Vikings and now Carson Wentz as a starter with the Philadelphia Eagles. Enjoy. Ray or Raymond Summerlin, correct me if I'm wrong, is this the first podcast we've done together did we do one together this summer like my memory doesn't even go back before the preseason i believe we've done two together and Have now really? i am just I terrible <laughs> i'm unbelievably offended that you didn't remember the brilliance that was my two podcast appearances that's hilarious i i always feel not odd or awkward um having a podcast with you because 
you have hosted plenty of your own, and you'll be hosting one every, well, I guess it'll be published every Thursday uh, for Roto World. So it's it's one of these, it's like two hosts. I don't even call myself a host, but you know what I mean? Like, you could pick up and ask questions. I could pick up and ask questions, that type of stuff. Um, but we are here, Ray, to talk about pre-week one waivers. You'll have the waiver-wired piece every posted every Monday night. Really, everyone will read it on Tuesday mornings. Uh, this podcast will be up normally on Tuesday morning. Um, so let's get into the biggest news of the weekend first, and that is obviously the Vikings trading a 2017 <laughs> first-round pick and yeah. a 2018 fourth-round pick that could turn into a third, that could turn into a second, depending on how, if they win the Super Bowl or not, um, for Sam Bradford. Ray, just general thoughts to start off this trade. First of all, I've never seen QB wins as seamlessly integrated into a trade as this one. I mean, like they're literally if they win the Super Bowl, it costs them more. So saying that win, that Bradford won them the Super Bowl, that's really a f- crazy idea to me. But I, I understand why Philadelphia wanted it. It seems if you read what Peter King wrote about it on Monday in his Monday morning quarterback, it really does seem like the Eagles weren't looking to do this deal. I know obviously Howie Roseman could be lying, but it seemed like Thursday he was like, no, we're not we're not going to do this. And then the Vikings showed up and said, hey, this is what we're willing to offer. And it was just too good to pass up. And I don't think you can blame the Eagles, a guy that. Bradford that they were probably going to move on from next year if not in the middle of this year and they're going to now get a first rounder and a fourth rounder at least for him right I mean that's a that's an absolutely great deal for the Eagles but I also understand where the Vikings are coming from they are they are smack in the middle of their window and that window if you know if Adrian Peterson he's going on he's 31 he's might be his last year in Minnesota depending on what happens with his contract they have a great defense it's young so they can build around it but they have a great defense they're right in the middle of their window it's not a given Teddy Bridgewater is going to be back at the start of next year definitely if they don't want to give up these years and if you don't want to give up these years you have to go and do something and maybe Bradford was the best option at their at their disposal so I actually think that this is this is a good deal for both teams. I'd rather be the Eagles, but I think that this is a good deal for both teams. Does it? Well, and I know for a week there, I mean, at least I did, I got Stephon Diggs at a discount. And even if Sean Hill was going to be the starter, Stephon Diggs was still probably going to see, what, 100 targets, maybe 110 targets as the lead pass catcher in that offense. But now he'll start to probably go back to where his ADP was if you're drafting in the next few days. And quickly, Ray, what, what does this do, in your opinion, to someone like Stephon Diggs, to an Adrian Peterson in terms of their value if in, in a couple of different ways. One, compared to Sean Hill, and two, compared to Teddy Bridgewater. Well, I think that I've, I'm out on any pass catcher in Minnesota just in general, and I have been. So for me, it I thought that Sean Hill did ding Stephon Diggs a, a little bit. Yeah. But we have to remember that after Diggs broke out at the end, uh, at the beginning of last year, those first four games that he had last year, he was really hit or miss just because the volume in this offense is not there to really support a fantasy pass catcher, even one, much less two or three. And we'll see what happens with Kyle Rudolph's involvement and Charles Johnson's involvement and Laquan Treadwell's involvement. So I think that Diggs was generally being overvalued anyway, at least for me. Hmm. And so when with Hill in there, I 
I definitely was not interested. Bradford coming in, I think, puts him back at a level that was similar to where Teddy was. So I'm fine. If, if you thought he was a value before Teddy went down, and now Bradford's come in, and Bradford probably will start week two, if not week one. I mean, we'll see what happens. Sean Hill took the snaps on Monday, the first team snaps on Monday. We'll see what happens. But Bradford at least can be at least can be something similar to what Teddy Bridgewater was last year. I don't think he's as good of a quarterback. He certainly doesn't have the future upside that Teddy Unfortunately, I think I have to use the word did at this point before that that gruesome knee injury, and we'll see what happens. But Bradford can run this offense competently. He ran the offense competently in Philadelphia last year. It just was a train wreck, and he didn't have any receivers. So I, I think that Bradford at least doesn't hurt the fantasy values of guys like Diggs and Rudolph and Johnson. I just don't think that those guys had much fantasy value to begin with. And and to me, Stefan Diggs is, over the last two weeks has been going in the ninth round, ninth, 10th area um, in PPR leagues, at least. And, and that's a little bit ahead of Devonte Parker, Travis Benjamin, Tavon Austin, Tajay Sharp. So maybe, I mean, I like him in that area, but I understand why other people wouldn't. Okay. Let's spin this for the Eagles direction a little bit. Um, you know, I, I said back when this trade happened for them trading up to number two to get Carson Wentz that it was obviously the owner had a heavy hand in it. Um, and so then you have the GM where his guy was kind of Sam Bradford, and then you have the head coach, Doug Peterson, which his guy was somewhat Chase Daniel. So they each had somewhat of their own guy, and then when the GM lets his guy go, then obviously the owners is going to step up in this case. But regardless of the point, um, Sam – I mean – Sam Bradford in this offense, like you said, was abysmal last year. Theoretically, could this offense be better with Carson Wentz, even though you have someone who's only played, what, a half or a full game in in the first preseason game, and and that's all we've seen of him? He's actually played 38 preseason snaps. There you go. Yeah, so it's it's not what you would call a long track track record. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, there were some things <laughs> there were some things that you saw in that first preseason game. You know, they got him on the move. He yeah. did make some plays with his legs, which was nice. He still I still question that deep ball a lot. Um, but hopefully in this offense he doesn't have to throw it. I think when you saw him really start to settle in and have success in that latter stages against Tampa Bay, he was running the Kansas City offense. It was quick hits, it was quick decisions. He wasn't having to make too many reads which is something he struggles with and so it was he was going through it and he was running the offense well and I think he can do that I I don't like I don't think Bradford played as poorly as maybe people think last year I really think it was a situation where the coach was was basically out the door Mm -hmm. they didn't have any receivers and the running game wasn't working and that's a tough place to be for any quarterback. But I do think that this situation could be better for Wentz. And if he's able to use his legs and maybe add some value there, he could be interesting. And if we're looking at just this week, week one, he couldn't be entering into a better situation. Absolutely. He gets to play the Cleveland Browns, which I think is the worst defense in the NFL. They have an impotent pass rush. Even before they released Paul Kruger, they weren't going to get to the quarterback. Now they're definitely not going to get to the quarterback. And that's especially true if Lane Johnson, who is suspended, but he's currently appealing it, it looks like he's going to be able to play while the appeal is working its way through the system, or at least the Eagles think he's going to be able to play. So we're looking at maybe a perfect situation for Carson Wentz here to come in, 
and have quite a bit of success, both general football and fantasy-wise, in his first start after only playing 38 preseason snaps. So it's a really interesting situation for Wentz. So let's transition that into the waiver piece that you're posting on Roto World. Um, we've got 10 minutes on this, so let's try to cram in a few names. Compare Carson Wentz's, which you just did, to maybe what Dak Prescott is entering. Because I know that some people drafted before Dak Prescott was named the starter for week one. He'll probably be available if you have waivers this week um, in many leagues. Is he worth picking up in week one? Because I've seen a ton of daily DFS players saying that he is the odds-on play or, or, or the absolute play um, during week one. But that's partially because of the salary of $5,000 on FanDuel. No, I like Dak Prescott probably more than Wentz this week simply because I don't think his floor is as low. Obviously, he's not going to be the guy he was in the preseason. Nobody thinks that. But what you saw in the preseason, they were using him correctly. They were getting him on the move. They were using heavy play action, which was which was really playing to his strengths. And he was giving Des Bryant the opportunity to make catches, which if you give Des Bryant the opportunity to make catches, he's going to make catches. And that's going to help you as a fantasy player. There's there's the thought that he's going to be used in the running game and the read option, yeah. which obviously we love in fantasy. He gets the Giants at home, and while the Giants look like maybe they've improved on paper, their linebacking core is still terrible. So bad. They still, still have <laughs> so many questions. Uh, it's safety. We still don't know what that safety core is going to look like. Right. Their nickel corner, we still don't know what that's going to look like. There are questions on this defense, and I think that Dax Prescott can have a really good game at home uh, in his first start. So I would take Dax over Wentz simply because I think the floor is higher, but I think both of these guys have pretty good upside. And Chris Brown, as known as Smart Football on Twitter, wrote a really good piece. I think it was right after Dax's first uh, preseason game, just about run pass options and some defined reads that he might run or or they might use. And and if so, it's it's really promising in this offense. And look, this is going to be stuff that the Giants probably haven't game planned for unless they're going to go back and just spotlight his preseason stuff, which they will, obviously. But they've got some time right now, the Cowboys do, into cooking up some some interesting things. Let's switch over to running back. Lots of uncertainty with Jamal Charles entering week one. I'm, I'm guessing Spencer Ware was drafted in most leagues. Um, but if not, he's absolutely a clear pickup, right? Because, I mean, there might not be a, a better commodity in fantasy football than a talented backup entering the starting lineup due to an injured running back. He's actually out there in 46% of Yahoo leagues. Wow, so, that's amazing. Well, a lot of these drafts happened before Spencer Ware was Spencer Ware. You know, if you think just back two weeks ago, everybody just assumed that Jamal Charles was going to start week one, and it does not look like that's going to happen. And after what Andy Reid said on Monday, it sounds like Jamal Charles could miss multiple games, not just week one, which makes Spencer Ware an unbelievable pickup. If you look at what he did last year, he averaged 5.6 yards per carry overall. He topped 75 yards and scored at least one touchdown in every game that he had at least 10 touches. And that was before he really established himself as a factor in the passing game. He only had six catches all of last year. He's had eight in the preseasons. He's really looked more comfortable there. And I guess most importantly for this week, he put up 148 yards and two touchdowns on just 19 carries in two games against the Chargers last season. So he is... Clearly the number one back, Sharkandrick West is still there. He's dealing with an elbow injury, but he's there. But Spencer Ware is clearly the number one back. He's at home against not a great defense. Right. He's in a great situation. 
he's a borderline running back one this week. If yeah. he is out there in your league, he is a pickup and start kind of guy. He has to be owned everywhere. And he fits the three factors we look for, right? It's it's opportunity. He has that. It's talent. He definitely has that. And then it's the opponent against the Chargers. So not a bad starting week. Um, okay, let's switch over to maybe another running back spot that is not as, um, let's say, optimistic. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. I've already fielded questions because of what Peter King wrote in the Monday Morning Quarterback about Kenneth Dixon taking over likely – uh, by what, mid-October or in October. But right now he's injured, so maybe Terrence West, but then Justin Forsett resigns. Right? what are you doing with this Ravens backfield? First of all, I believe his name is your boy, Kenneth Dixon. It I is believe my boy. that that's... <laughs> it is my boy. At some, no, point, at some point, he will do well this season, but I'm not sure if I'm listening to by October when he's not even practicing or playing right now. Yeah, that's the tricky part is that he is still dealing with a knee injury. It was reported as a sprain. I've seen it as a torn MCL, so it's kind of up in the air. But if you look at how he was used in the third preseason game before he was injured, he was injured in that game. There is some credence to this idea that they want to use him as the lead back, maybe not a three down back as you you would see with Adrian Peterson, but they want to use him as the leader of the committee. As it stands right now with Justin Forsett back, Terrence West obviously going to get carries, especially in short yardage. Buck Allen is going to see looks in the receiving game. I don't think that any of these guys are really must-owns in any league. I think they're all fine to have on the bench. If you have an open spot on the roster, I'm fine rostering all four of these players. I think Kenneth Dixon is maybe the most interesting to me because I see him as the highest upside. But I don't think that any of these guys are are must-owns. I don't think... I would not trust any of them in my starting lineup in 10 and 12 team leagues. There are better options out there than what we're going to see from Forsett, even though the Baltimore Sun thinks he's going to have a significant role week one. There, this situation is one that I just want to avoid, as basically the entire Ravens offense, because <laughs> every position on the roster is exactly like this. Wide receiver, we have no idea who's starting. Right. Tight end, we have no idea who's starting. Joe Flacco is basically the only thing we know, and Joe Flacco's kind of proven himself to be kind of a quarterback too. So this is a situation that, that probably everybody should avoid. Ray, we were exchanging notes uh, for this podcast, and you mentioned you want to talk about Tajay Sharp. And to me, it would be amazing if he wasn't drafted in the league. But then I realized that some people might draft, what, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, before the preseason, and he might not have emerged that time as the clear number one receiver on the Titans. Um, how, I guess, unowned is he in these leagues since, since he is mentioned on this article? He is owned in 37% of Yahoo League. So he's out there in 63% no of leagues. And that's what happens. Like that's why that's why I write one before week one, because wow. these situations change dramatically in those couple weeks before the season after people draft. And people aren't looking at the wire. And Tajay Sharp is out there. And you called him the clear number one. I take some umbrage with that. I still trust I still have my trust in Richard Matthews. Interesting. Who by the way, is out there in 57% yeah. of leagues. So if you want a part of the Titans passing game, which that, <laughs> that 
that might not be the best idea. But if you want a part of the Titans passing game, both of these guys are out there. I'd rather have Matthews. I think he's a better receiver. I trust him more. I think he has more upside um, than Sharp, who I, I'm still not sold on. But I think that both of these guys should be owned in 10-team leagues. And it's, it's, really, it's really madness that they're both still out there in so many leagues. Interesting. I'll go with Tajay Sharp in this scenario. So that'll be an interesting, um, not debate, but just competition, friendly competition between us. <laughs> Ray. Let's finish out with Virgil Green. I'm not sure if you want to own the tight end for the Broncos with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, but it's not Jeff Hireman. It is clearly Virgil Green. At least that's what we found out in this preseason. Yeah, and it seems like Green has been a breakout candidate for as long as Taylor Martinez was the quarterback at Nebraska. Like, he's just... <laughs> He's been around forever. He's 28 years old. He's gotten plenty of opportunities, and it just has never happened for him. And that made me, in a very snide way, you know, kind of dismiss him this offseason. But then he comes in the preseason, clearly the number one tight end. He had a 10 catches for 97 yards and a touchdown in the preseason. He's clearly the number one option. And Gary Kubiak offenses tend to be very friendly to tight ends. So I think that there's an opportunity for him to break out here. And it's important to remember that just last year we had two guys in their 30s even, so older than Virgil Green, and Gary Barnage and Zach Miller, who had wasted opportunities previously in their career and then finally had their kind of breakout seasons, Barnage more than Miller, but broke out a bit in their 30s. So there's an opportunity here for Green. I think he's more of a tight end too. He's a guy you can own in, in deeper formats. I'd rather have Clive Walford, who is a, actually available in more leagues than Green and gets the Saints week one, but Green would be my second option. Ray, you're the man. Uh, for everyone else, go check out Ray's piece on Rotoworld, Waiver Wired, out each week, I believe Monday nights, Tuesday mornings. Um, Ray, have fun hosting the Thursday podcast with Nick Minzio and Rich Rebar. And I'm sure you're looking forward to talking with me uh, for that Thursday fantasy stream that we have on NBCSports.com. Absolutely. Thanks for it. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening. Again, three podcasts a week, myself and Ray, and the one you just heard. Uh, Rich, Nick, and Ray on Thursdays. Myself, Evan, and Pat on Fridays. Tons of content for you to consume, for you to devour. We know you savages love to do that. Um, again, if you enjoy what you hear, Rate and review us. It helps us reach more people. We'd really, really appreciate it. Again, Real Fantasy on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays on your CSN platform, your local one. Um, and also the stream on Thursdays on NBCSports.com. Time to be determined, but you can be certain I'll be tweeting it out at Josh Norris. Again, until next time, talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.